0: Hey, hey, you're listening to episode 63 of the Resilient Teacher Podcast. Raise your hand if you've been personally victimized by student behavior in the last couple of years. Bonus points if you actually like raised your hand because I am raising both of mine. It seems as if since pandemic teaching, our students have had this uptick in problematic behavior in the classroom that our usual classroom and behavior management strategies, it just can't touch it. And you know what this uptick in behavior is doing to new and veteran teachers alike? It's breaking them down and it's burning them out. The National Center for Education Statistics released findings from public schools across the country illustrating the enduring negative impacts of the pandemic on the education system. 87% 87% of public schools reported that the pandemic has negatively impacted student social-emotional development, 49% reported increased rowdiness outside of the classroom, and 48% reported more acts of disrespect towards teachers and staff. More than half saw an increase in classroom disruptions that were caused by student behavior. That's exactly why I've brought my good friend Rachel and I back onto the show to talk all things beating behavior burnout. Rachel is a special education teacher, a certified trauma professional, and behavior interventionist. Providing teachers with tools to make serious behavior change with challenging students is her passion. Rachel believes behavior management needs a whole rehaul, and she's here to give you what you need to make trauma-informed, holistic behavior management easier and more fun. When she's not jamming out on behavior interventions, she actually enjoys life as a brand new mom. In this episode, we chat about differentiating between typical behavior challenges and those who might need more intensive intervention, how to handle these behaviors in the classroom, the importance of regulation for teachers and students, and how to collaborate with parents to make the biggest impact on student success. And you definitely need these tips and insights before we head back into the fall. So let's go hang out with Rachel. Hey there, and welcome to the Resilient Teacher Podcast, the podcast giving overwhelmed and burned out teachers inspiration, sustainable strategies, and reigniting passion for teaching. I'm Brittany, a special education teacher and teacher resilience and retention strategist, and I am on a mission to inspire educators to prioritize their mental health and individualize their self-care routines so that they can live a balanced, fulfilling life as an educator while making a bigger impact in their classrooms and communities. All right. I am super excited to welcome Rachel back to the show. Hey, Rachel, thanks for coming back.
1: Hey, so happy to be here.
0: Yeah. So I gave a brief introduction before we started, but I would absolutely love it if you just tell a little bit about you and your own words, how
1: you help teachers and your background and whatnot. Yeah, of course. So hey, everybody. Um, My name is Rachel and you can find me at Safe Space Teaching. and I help educators just like you guys who might be feeling a little bit burnt out, who might be feeling a little bit stressed about student behavior I make it so much easier for you to tackle those big behaviors in the classroom, utilizing the right interventions and strategies and trauma-informed practices so that you can leave all of the stress at work and you don't have to take it home. (laughs)
0: Yes, yes. And I know so many teachers who really struggle with that. So how did you get into um, doing the behavior stuff online and really helping teachers do that?
1: So I, from year one as a special education teacher, I was thrown into a middle school behavior classroom and I had Absolutely no idea what I was doing. Um, Very stressed out. It was a really interesting first year of teaching, to say the least, especially at the middle school level where they're smelly and, you know, they're sassy. Yeah, they Um, are. But I ended up loving it. And I ended up really thinking about like, okay, how do we figure out what's happening below the surface of these behaviors? Because I was with a lot of old school teachers at the time in my district. And it was very much that control-based thinking. And so I kind of went on a mission to figure out what's below that, right? Like what's below what's under the surface of these kids and this sassy behavior. Um, and so it led me to finding some really great solutions and trauma-informed practices and restorative practices and understanding more about the physiology of our students that were in front of us and where those challenging behaviors came from and why they're manifesting the way that they do in the classroom. Then 2020 hit and we were all home and I was born out of my mind. And that was before I had a baby that took up every ounce of my energy. And so I decided to start an online business, which I think many of us did. Um and just like an online Instagram that turned into helping other teachers with behavior. I was sharing some things and then I really wanted to create online resources for teachers. Um, and so I did. And I have a couple of courses and some you know hubs of resources for teachers and It's turned into a wonderful place where I meet people like you, Brittany. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, you know, I've really been able to connect with so many educators that have found my resources helpful. And that just like means the world to me because I think we do a disservice to teachers in the classroom by not teaching them about how to deal with behavior and they have to find resources on their own. So unfortunately, that's a problem that exists. But fortunately, there's people like me and like Brittany and all of us that can kind of help, um, help our fellow educators navigate.
0: Yes. I know, you know, as a fellow special educator, I get like tons of questions about behavior more so recently than like ever before. So I had to like, check it out. I was like, okay, what are the statistics on this? Like, is it really that, or are we just, are we just kind of just feeling it more, you know? So I found that 70% of teachers, principals, district leaders, they said in Ed Week research Center survey um, that students are misbehaving more now than in 2019. So 70% of those teachers, they say it's crazy. And on TikTok, like I saw this huge increase in teachers saying, okay, well, behavior is the worst that it's ever been. Have you noticed that as well? Or is that just kind of like, we just feel it? You know what I mean?
1: I think it might be a little bit of both for sure. I mean, I think that sometimes when things are at our fingertips, um, when we have so much information, when we see what's happening in other people's classrooms, I think that kind of clouds what's happening in our classroom too. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do also think that realistically behavior is worse because unfortunately we live in a society of instant gratification. We live in a society of way too much media consumption. Our students have no patience. They have no ability to really engage socially because they're on their phones, because they are, you know, we, we dealt with the pandemic. We're still dealing with the loss of social skills and academic skills. There's so many things that our kids are coming to school with, so much baggage. And not to mention, us as adults have more stress. We have more on our plates. The economy is, you know, up in arms all the time and everybody, this and that's happening in politics. And I mean, there's so much stress and we have so much that we are dealing with on a daily basis that our capacity is really diminished over time. And I think that unfortunately, though it's manifesting in our children, it also is coming from us too, because we're giving that to kids and we're projecting that onto them. And, you know, We can debate for days about how we fix that. Um, But I definitely think that the manifestations in the classroom are that kids are a little bit more disrespectful. Kids are experiencing a little bit more difficulty regulating their nervous systems because they're always on, right? Yeah. Um, So I I definitely think that behavior is an issue and it's probably not going to get any better. (laughs) It's probably going to get worse before we figure out a major shift.
0: Yeah. You know, I did a podcast episode on how, like, our smartphones, even as teachers, affect our burnout. Like, we are constantly consuming tons and tons of media. And when we feel bad, we often like pick up our phones and we start scrolling just because that's how we're choosing to, like, ignore the problem. We're like, okay, we've got this in front of us. We don't have to pay attention to it. And so I think that is impacting our kids too, because they're constantly on their phones or on their tablets or things like that. And my husband's like, he's like, social media is the bane of his existence. Like he he hates social media, but he understands why I'm on it. You know what I mean? And so I think, I think you're, you're hitting the nail on the head with how students are kind of feeling that and why that's kind of happening. Um, But then you bring up the point about, you know, teachers, they're, they're struggling with their regulation. And so I love that you kind of bring the two together to kind of mesh those together. And with so many students kind of displaying these behavior issues from your perspective, like how can teachers really differentiate what's normal or typical behavior challenges like of kids post-pandemic and then more serious behavioral issues that, you know, might require that intervention?
1: So I think, when we when we take a step back from leveling behaviors, right? Because we can level all of our behaviors. I like to do it just like three, two, one. Like what's the mm-hmm. most pressing? What's our like level three? Oh my gosh, this kid is like trashing my room on a daily basis. They're physically aggressive. Those are going to be your, okay, everything stops. Like stop the press. We need to intervene right this second. I think everybody knows that, right? Um, but those lower level behaviors, whether a student is identified or not, like you and I are both special ed teachers, right? Mm-hmm. So Kids don't come to us unless they're in the referral process or they've already been referred and they indeed qualify for special education support. And a lot of times that's including behavior support. Whether a child is identified or not, whether they're tier two, tier three, if they're exhibiting behaviors, I think any behavior needs an intervention. It's the amount of support that that intervention requires and how in depth we go with the intervention that's going to differentiate whether or not it's a student who might need a really solid full-on behavior plan or an FBA um, or just your student that just needs some extra little love in the classroom and some targeted interventions because they have some lagging skills, but those lagging skills are not detrimental to their ability to interact socially or their ability to really access the curriculum.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So like, and I hear teachers say all the time, because like, I'm trying to Teach you how to make this more efficient. I'm trying to teach you how to fix this burnout. They get burned out because they're having to deal with this, these behaviors. Then they're like, oh, now I've got to put an intervention in. Like, I don't even know where to start with that. And that's kind of where you come into play. You're like, hey, I've got you on this. Like I can help you. Figure this stuff out so that it's not overwhelming you. And so I think more teachers need to know that you exist (laughs) because there's that. But then I've also heard a ton of teachers say, well, this is like the parent's job. Like we can't get the parents involved in their kids' behavior. Do you have any tips on how to from a behavior specialist perspective, like how do they effectively communicate and like collaborate with their parents or their guardians of their students who really are exhibiting some of these challenging behaviors?
1: So I totally and completely hear that. I have been up against what felt like a brick wall of lack of parent support with so many of my students over the years. And the one thing that I will say that I kind of made it my mission while I was in the classroom working with these families, was to get the parents on board. Mm -hmm. It was to literally like chisel down and break that barrier. We have to remember that if our students are exhibiting really big behaviors, if it's a manifestation of trauma, likely the family has a trauma history as well. Mm -hmm. Or, and or really, it could be educational trauma they might have had a really bad experience with the teacher. Some students come into school not knowing how to do school. And unfortunately, we don't necessarily have great systems in place for those kids. And sometimes our school system can make it seem like that's a bad kid. They might be labeled. And parents and families are rightfully so worried about their kid. Um, And I think that we need to kind of step away from the thinking that we're two different hubs, right? Like there's Mm -hmm. the parent side and then there's the education side. And the education side, whether you mean to or not, we often, and I'm totally guilty of this myself, think that we know better because we have more experience. We have the degrees. We see that child every single day, all day long. But really at the end of the day, that's somebody's baby. And that is who you are serving. And I feel like us thinking about, Changing that narrative and welcoming the parents in instead of going to them and telling them all of the time, this is what's happening, this is the bad stuff, this needs to stop. We need to start just including them in the conversation. And that also means talking to them like a regular human. (laughs) Yeah. Because they're human, they're just like you and me. They're parents of little babies who probably are driving them nuts on the weekends too. love them fiercely and they're going to love them in their own way. And we have to remember too, that like, just because a parent isn't parenting the way that you would, it doesn't make it wrong. It doesn't mean that there's anything that that child is missing. It just means that it's a different lived experience. And we have to stop putting so much blame and shame and even just judgment on the way that other people parent their children. When we do that, we get so much better results from our families, yes,
0: oh my gosh. I love what you just said. that way of thinking that needed to be heard by somebody <laughs> that needed to be heard. So I, I love what you just said. I mean, because it's true. like we we often think that we're we're the expert on that. And the parents are often like, this person's the expert. So one of the things that I have really talked to teachers about when I've talked about these kind of things is, to use more personable language, like we often use like some really big terms and they're not familiar with that. So they're like, uh I don't know how to I don't know how to collaborate with you. And so really not dumbing it down, but really bringing it down a level so that it's not all these educational terms or any of that kind of stuff to really get those parents involved and see you as a person and develop that relationship not just with the child but with the parent too. And I just I love what you said. We can't judge the parents for how they parent their kids. So I just totally. love
1: yeah, just to give you guys another example of something, I remember just very vividly. I had a parent that was very resistant to giving us information, and this was of a student who was very, very intelligent, and yet had very big behaviors in the classroom, like aggression. It was it was really intense for a while, and we wanted to do an evaluate a reevaluation on this student and something um, for like rating scales. I think it was, and the parent refused. And they kept on saying, no, I don't want to do it. No, I don't want to do that. And I remember the school psychologist kind of thinking like, well, I don't understand why they just don't want to do it. And I totally and completely felt that. And I was like really annoyed internally. I was like, Jesus, just like fill out the dang form. Like we just did, yeah. right? Like that's my internal narrative. And then I kind of flipped the script and I said, let me just ask her why she's scared of this. Like, let mm-hmm. me just call her and just ask. What's going on? So I called her and I literally just said, Hey, I I know that you're refusing to do this. And I'm just curious, what makes you so nervous about this? And she said, I just don't want it to follow him for the rest of his life. I just don't want people thinking that he's not smart because of this. And Mm -hmm. we had uh, probably an hour long conversation, and I probably could have charged because it was like a therapy session, (laughs) but it was like such a great way for us to just connect. And then we talked about it. I said, this is elementary school like none of this goes anywhere like if you choose to give these records to somebody then great if you don't like nobody's going to be giving it to channel 3 news like right. you don't have, so these are these are sealed records like this not public knowledge nobody needs to know and so she ended up signing the form and we ended up getting some good data from it um but i think sometimes we're so hesitant to break down that education barrier and that facade that we have of being quote unquote prof- professional when really we need to just remember that everybody's fearful, everybody has their own story, and sometimes we just need to connect as humans. Yes,
0: connect as humans. Yes, I love that. And, you know, the other thing that I think really impacts teachers when it comes to burnout from behavior is the balance of addressing, like, individual behavior issues while still meeting the needs of the whole Class, like teachers burn out from just handling sometimes one of the kids and then feeling the guilt of not focusing on the class as a whole. Do you have any tips or like strategies for teachers who are facing this kind of predicament?
1: So I will preface this by saying I have never had a whole classroom, right? Like I've never been a general ed teacher. I have had small groups and one-on-one. Um, but I have seen obviously my kids in classrooms where the teacher was stressed out, where they were like, how am I going to be taking data all day long on this student when I have 20 other kids that I am responsible for? Yeah, um, And I get that struggle and I, I really do get it. My first thought is one, The work that you put in in, on the front end with these really intense behaviors pays off tenfold on the back end. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's just like, you know, Brittany, you and I were kind of talking about the chaos of like business and, and being busy and trying to say like, oh, it's a full it's a full season right now instead of saying busy. Yeah. Sometimes we need to remember that we can't always do it all and that's okay. especially when we think about our kids that are in front of us, kids who who will do well in school without interventions will still do well, even if you're not necessarily right there with them. The kids that need your support need your support. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that you're not giving those other kids what they need, but you're just doing it in a different way. And there are some days where you might pay more attention to one group than the other, and you can't do it all. And I think that we also have to shift that mindset of putting it all on the teacher because we can't. So a couple of things that I would say. One, utilize your team and utilize your supports. If you have a parrot in your classroom, if you're lucky enough to have that, utilize them. Utilize them for building that relationship with your target student that has those big behaviors. Utilize them for running small groups with your heavy hitters as a whole, or utilize them for those higher kids when they you want to challenge them a little bit, like so that they get a little bit of love too. Utilize them and try to empower them to take on more in your classroom. I think sometimes we forget that para support, if we take some time to train them, they can do amazing things. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I would say is, really assessing what you're doing and why. We take data sometimes just for the sake of data and don't end up utilizing it appropriately. Yeah. If somebody's asking you to take a ton of ABC data for you know, a month long process, I want you to push back on that. And I want you to say, how much data do we need a bare minimum for us to decide what the function of this behavior is? What about interventions? We need to be thinking, if an intervention is being utilized with the student. You utilize that intervention for a couple of weeks. If it's not working, then you scrap it. Don't keep doing what doesn't work. You need to find something else. And if the intervention is working, then you shouldn't be up against that problem of trying to manage your time a little bit like chaotically in the classroom because it should be seamlessly supporting that student.
0: Yeah. Oh, gosh. That's some good stuff. That is some really good stuff. I know that a lot of teachers don't have a para or a teacher assistant, especially if they're gen ed teachers. They they don't have that in the classroom. But I think really having that support from the whole staff and working as a team with other people, that is one of the things that people are afraid to do. Teachers are afraid to ask for help from people. Like if they're struggling with a behavior in the classroom, they struggle to be like, I'm... I'm I'm having this issue. Who can I ask for help? Can I ask the school psychologist? Can I ask, you know, an administrator? And oftentimes they they are afraid to do that because they're afraid to show that maybe they're not they they can't handle it all. And really shifting that mindset from "Hey, I need help and I can't do it all" to like really being able to do that. And so I think. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with that. You know, you're one of the amazing presenters. I'm so excited to have you um, in the free summer self-care conference and your presentation is going live on the third day of the conference. Can you talk a little bit about what you're going to be covering in that presentation, like about priming yourself to really beat the behavior burnout and what teachers can look forward to in your session?
1: Yeah, so I'm really, really excited. Um, I'm going to be talking all about regulating our nervous systems and why it's so important for us as educators to do that before we even enter the classroom, some tips and strategies for how you can do that when you're in the classroom, and also how we support regulating ourselves when chaos arises. Because I don't care how good your interventions are. I don't care how good your plans are. Like Things are going to happen. Your kid's going to have a bad day. And we need to make sure that we are primed and ready to support that student when it happens. So that's what my session is about. And I'm really, really excited.
0: <laughs> yes. I'm really excited too, because I know that a lot of teachers are, they do struggle. They struggle with handling behavior, with this uptick in behavior, with our dysregulated nervous systems, especially if you're a teacher who's in burnout, like your nervous system is dysregulated. And so when you're coming into the classroom and you're dealing with students who have dysregulated nervous systems, then you have that, you you have more. It's like, compiling more and more and more and so having the strategies to do that and with your session i think they're going to really find a lot of support and strategies you know they're yeah. they're going to be able to do that so, so. yeah <laughs> that's the goal yes so rachel literally i could talk to you forever i i could talk about behavior burnout i could talk about data collection and intervention like we are just on the same wavelength with that um, trauma-informed teaching, like our personalities just really vibe. And But before we sign off, can you share a little bit more about where teachers can follow along with you? They can learn more from you. Obviously, your session in the Summer Self-Care Conference.
1: Yes, absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram. I'm there often, pretty much daily, um, at underscore safe space teaching and then also safespaceteaching.com. You can read the blog. You can find some programs and resources. All of that is there. And then definitely check out the session because I am also giving away um, some freebies there. So I can't wait to support yes. you.
0: I'm excited. I'm excited. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on to the show again. I could have you on the show once a year for the rest of forever, probably. So just it'll be a yearly thing that we do.
1: (laughs) I'm here for it.
0: If you want to learn more from Rachel and 20 plus more teacher experts on topics like self-care, systems, sustainability, and support, you are not going to want to miss out on the free summer self-care conference for teachers going down Friday, July 21st through the 23rd online. You can grab your free ticket and learn more at teachingmindbodyandsoul.com slash summer self-care conference, or head over to the link in the show notes to learn more. Don't forget, you are a resilient teacher. We're in this together. You've got this.